From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A hearty how-do to everyone listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hi there to those of you streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And hiya to those assembled in the YouTube live chat. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Science writer and co-founder of Principia Scientific International, Joseph Olson, is here as we continue to discuss the emerging science of magnetobiology and its possible connection to 5G, low oxygen intake, and COVID-19. And again, I've posted a link to that story up at strangeplanet.ca. Joseph is also co-author of Slaying the Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory, the world's first full-volume debunk of the greenhouse gas theory. Before the break, Joseph, I was wondering about you know, this electronic smog that we're all swimming around in and whether we're all suffering, at least of those of us in urban areas, we're all suffering from varying degrees of hypoxia. Is there any data on that? Well, there is data on uh, another form of poisoning that we're suffering from, and that's from fluoride and chlorine. Those are period seven, if you look on a periodic table. They're over on the far right-hand side. That's the halogen group and includes bromine and iodine. Well, iodine is mandatory for your body to be able to manufacture hormones, and it's vital to your immune system. And it's regulated by the pineal gland, and it's also stored in the thyroid. And it turns out that by drinking chlorinated and fluoridated water, you are substituting the iodine in your thyroid gland, and you're causing a calcium buildup. And one of the things that hydrochloroquine does, in addition to being a natural antibiotic and antiviral, works on a number of diseases, was commonly prescribed for lupus and arthritis prior to this dust-up with the Wu flu, it decalcifies the pineal gland, which is in charge of your circadial rhythms and, and your sleep cycle, and that's part of your immune system. So you can be slowly poisoned by intake of chlorine and fluorine, and that's in your toothpaste and your fluoridated mouthwashes, which say if you ingest any of this, call Poison Control Center. Well, why wouldn't it say that on the same glass of tap water that they're giving you fluoride in? So bottom line is we have, and then this is in an article that I, my most recent one at PSI, which is Wu Flu Bastoon News for You, and it's just hydrochloroquine decalcifies the pineal gland, has a reference to endocrine website, which is an overview of the pineal gland, and it also has... Uh, a reference to beyond thyroid cancer, which is the fluorine, chlorine, and bromine halogen connections to those forms of cancer. So we're definitely being slowly poisoned, and, and you know, that adds up to more other opportunistic diseases. The problem is, is that they would rather sell you a palpative than to ever cure anything. In one of my articles, I go into 
doctors that solved the worst human infection on the planet, and that was peptic ulcers. Yeah, Dr. Robin Warren and Dr. Barry Marshall won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2005 for a cure of peptic ulcers. They made their discovery in 1982. It took a decade to get Australia to allow them to use their treatment, and it took another decade for America, and then it took another five years after that for the Nobel Prize Committee to award them their science award. turns out that the H. pylori bacteria releases acid, and it lives in your stomach. And so what they were saying is, well, you've got peptic ulcers because you've got too much acid, so you need to take an alkaline Maalox every day. You need to take a spoonful of Maalox or Pepto-Bismol or whatever their palpative was that they were trying to sell you at the time. And they would rather keep you on that for your lifetime than to ever say, oh, it's caused by bacteria. If we kill the bacteria, then you don't have an acid waste problem in your stomach, and it goes away. The most common infection in the human population, and it took 25 years for these guys to get an award from the Nobel Prize Committee. So that just kind of tells you how defective our science system is. Also in this article, I make a point about a Nobel Prize that was awarded in 1949 to a Portuguese neurologist, Antonio Muzi, for prefrontal lobotomy. He would take an ice pick, stick it behind your eye socket, and scramble the brains of patients that were in mental wards. And he did this between 1936 and 1953 to thousands of patients. He'd just go, oh, yeah, you just take an ice pick, stick it behind. Oh, it's horrid. That's the state of medicine in the mid-century. I mean, if if you want to Barbaric. Beyond barbaric. Yes, and that's what I'm I'm going through. So, So... it's it's time that we could reassess everything that we have been lectured about medicine, in particular virus. Dr. Judy Makovitz, who's highly qualified, and a bunch of these other doctors that I've heard from have said that we should have a two-year moratorium on no vaccines at all for two years until we sort this out, attended the rally in Dallas where they had a speaker that was a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Yvette Lozano, from the Dallas area, said she'd treated 30 patients. This was in the 1st of May, or actually May 9th. 30 patients with 100% success, and that all of her staff was taking hydrochloroquine, that they wouldn't get sick. And she said, we're all healthy, we're all doing just fine, and every patient I've treated is doing just fine. Well, the state licensing board's coming after her. One of the speakers at that event was State Senator Bob Hall, He, since then, did a town hall with six medical doctors. One of them had treated up to 200 patients. A a former member of the GOP governing board in Texas, and they're coming after his license. And all six doctors that had alternative treatments, some of them including ivermectin and butestamid, they all are having their licenses reviewed. And turns out that the AMA in Texas is the largest chapter in the whole United States and that they do exactly what Big Pharma wants them to do and they make sure their people get up on the appointed to the state medical board and the state medical board does exactly what the AMA wants them to do. What gets me, Joseph, is there are these pre-approved experts and we have to listen to them at the exclusion of all other experts. In Western civilization, you know, you go to a physician and if he gives you a diagnosis or a treatment, 
you're encouraged to get a second, maybe even a third opinion. But when it comes to this, we are told, no, this is the opinion. You must fall in line and shut up. Uh, and the thing is, the medical establishment now is getting an enormous amount of pushback from the physicians. The AMA is in the position of power that they are because they offer group rates on liability insurance. And if you're not a member of the AMA, your liability insurance is 25 30% higher. So basically, it's an extortion scheme. You join our group, and you and we're going to be your cheerleader, and you're going to do exactly what we tell you to do, or you're going to lose your license. Well, that kind of threat can only go so far. We have doctors that are boldly standing up, just like the frontline doctors. You know, we're the ones that are treating patients every day. The ones that are in charge, and let's not even mention names, but the, the heads of the CDC and the uh, NIAID and the NIH and the FDA, they've never treated a patient. They've been bureaucrats since they got out of med school. They finished their last patient when they finished their internship. If they even have an MD, a lot of them don't even have an MD. So it's incredible that these are the people that are dictating to doctors that are looking in the eye of their patients. And as you point out, chloroquine, a study that goes back to 2005, printed in the Virology Journal, that chloroquine has a strong antiviral effect on SARS coronavirus infection of primate cells. These inhibitory effects are observed when the cells are treated with the drug either before or after exposure to the virus, suggesting both prophylactic and therapeutic advantage. So back in 2005, we were told by the Virology Journal that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine is, is related to that is effective in treating SARS. And then we have so-called experts saying, no, it doesn't work. And if we have doctors that come forward bravely saying that, yes, I'm treating 350 of my patients with 100% effectiveness, that doctor is then summarily fired. We have the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons have come out and said hydroxychloroquine works. Now, they're talking about a specific protocol when used with zinc and azithromycin, again, reporting tremendous success they are actually uh, suing the CDC. They filed a 39-page lawsuit against the CDC. I read the lawsuit. It's impeccable, and they will absolutely win. Now, next thing, I wrote an article called Right to Try Voodoo, and this is um, right next to the last article that I have on this subject. And, they, you know, the government wants to appear like they're uh, magnanimous and compassionate and all this other garbage. And just like we mentioned, the frontal lobotomy by the Portuguese neurologist and Edward Jenner came up with the cowpox vaccination, but by 1948, no longer uh, vaccination for um, smallpox is no longer required in England. These, the the uh, smallpox virus first appeared in humans in the year 10,000 B.C., and then it got particularly virulent around 1700 A.D., and what happens is it's going through a human population. Either it gets more virulent and kills off its host, which ends the stem line, or it gets less and less virulent. So it can get virulent for a while, and then either it gets real virulent and kills everybody, or it gets less virulent as it's, as it's going through the meiosis with each individual human. And then that becomes part of the incorporated DNA in your body that's the junk DNA. It's like, well, we don't need it right now, but we'll put that key punch card 
in the data file, and that's where it belongs in the data file, so we can pull it when we need it. Well, if the cell's broken apart because of 5G, then that releases those previously captive elements. Now, interesting thing, the human genome was plotted and posted in 2003. Once it was posted, they said, well, now we've got the human genome. We can find out what the most deadly plague in the whole world was. That was the Spanish flu, and they, they exhumed a bunch of different bodies, Eskimos that were in the frozen north, so they got real pure samples, and World War I veterans. And so anyhow, they exhumed enough to be able to come up with the genome. That was published clandestinely online because people said, well, we need to know what this the most dangerous virus well, the most dangerous virus turns out was H1N1, which occurs in the human population about every 20 years and had before then. So if you didn't have the cofactors of a defective vaccine that they gave our troops for typhoid, yellow fever, and smallpox during World War One, and you didn't transport them in un- unheated rail cards and on the decks of uh, freighters full of munitions over to Germany and put them in gas-filled trenches, then maybe we wouldn't have had a pandemic in in 1918. So that's exactly how absurd this whole thing is. We need to have a complete re-examination of everything involved in science. But getting back to that, there was a cure that was allowed in the United States between 1920 and 1953 called Laetrile Cancer. And it was yes. made from apricot pits. And finally, they proved that what happens is when you eat enough of these apricot pits, you get strychnine as it's metabolized in your body. The laetrile metabolized into strychnine, and the strychnine may kill the cancer, so you may get lucky, but it's probably going to kill you. And so that's when they quit allowing it in the United States. They continued to allow it in Mexico, and that's where Steve McQueen went and got yes. poisoned to yes. death. I wanted to come back to hydroxychloroquine, and as we mentioned, it was approved by, I believe it was the NIH in 2005 for use against uh, SARS-type viruses, and now they're saying that they're not going to allow the use of hydroxychloroquine for SARS-2 coronavirus unless, Dr. Fauci says, unless its efficacy is proven in randomized double-blind placebo studies. The interesting thing is, what of the, I believe there's something like 72 vaccine doses now on the mandatory childhood schedule since he took over the NIAID back in 1984, have any of those 72 vaccine doses been subjected to randomized double-blind placebo studies? And the answer is no. And none of the vaccines that they're proposing for this uh, COVID vaccine are going to be blind tested either. So isn't there a little bit of hypocrisy that we could all choke on? It's crazy. <laughs> I'd say. So Let me go to the, uh, the the YouTube live chat. I have a question here from Art B. Sid in the YouTube live chat. Welcome. He says, can prolonged 5G exposure disrupt the human body's microbiome? Is there any way that this exposure can cause superbugs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The same way that overuse of antibiotics can cause superbugs. You know, the bugs are there to improve their life. And so anytime you put an obstacle in the way, it's just like the pesticides that next thing you know, you've got super caterpillars and super grasshoppers. You've got super weeds. And when you put in 
chemicals to, you know, the glyphosate to weed killers. You end up with super weeds. So nature is always trying to find a way around whatever obstacle we put. And then if you handicap your uh, immune system, then you're going to have something that's going to be an opportunistic disease, and certainly superbugs are going to be one of those. Yeah. And then you'll have something that will transfer through a population of other people that have had their immune system compromised. So one other quick little aside, the guy that invented the electron microscope, Raymond Rife, also found out that by studying these viruses under his electron microscope that certain frequencies would cause viruses to break apart. And so he made a chart of those. He had hundreds of uh, viral elements that could be broken apart by certain radio frequencies, and he built 30 devices that were capable of treating people, and they were located all across the United States. And finally, the AMA said, hey, this is going against our medicine. You're curing people instead of keeping them on a palpative. And so they came in and put him in jail and confiscated and busted up all of his Raymond Rife frequency disease-curing machines. So we've had the capability of solving virtually every one of our disease issues since 1930, but it didn't make money for Big Pharma, and it didn't create a lifetime of dependent, drug-addicted people trying to eliminate their symptoms instead of eliminating their causes. And that's the problem. We'll come back. More of my conversation with Joseph Olson as we continue to delve into magnetobiology, 5G, low-oxygen uptake, and... COVID-19. Back with more in a moment. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. So to me, this is one of the most striking bits of information regarding this discussion, and that is the telecom companies themselves are admitting that 60 gigahertz, and that's what we're talking about with 5G, 60 gigahertz is absorbed by oxygen, just, it's stunning information. You would think the fact that 60 gigahertz even fundamentally interacts with oxygen, which is the most abundant, arguably the most important element to all of biological life, it should be headline news. It should cause us all to pause and think about, you know, what are the implications of this? And so if it is absorbing oxygen and if it is proven that it is causing the hemoglobin difficulty in absorbing oxygen and therefore causing hypoxia again should be headline news but instead we are told there's nothing happening here folks look the other way it's a conspiracy theory well maybe if we drill down on this and study it and examine it and research it and exhibit an ounce of intellectual curiosity, we may find out, no, it's not a problem after all. But maybe we'll find out that it is a problem. But it's just too easy to dismiss these things as a conspiracy theory. Not on my watch. They're having a huge issue over in England where they install the cell towers and it's killing trees within feet of the cell towers, so then they're saying, well, the trees are blocking the signal, so we need to come in and cut the trees down. And so they're just stripping entire neighborhoods all over England, and the people are upset about it, but they're stripping it for two reasons. One, yes, it does absorb, just like I told you, the 37,000 
the lines. Trees have a lot of water inside them, and that absorbs, and then it also heats them up and causes them to wilt and die. And so they're trying to hide the evidence by cutting down the trees. They're also improving the frequency range of the cell towers by cutting down the trees. So this is an extinction event that has been, like we mentioned, planned by NASA since at least 2001, planned by Rockefeller since 2001, and they've just decided now's the right and proper time to do it. Back to the hydrochloroquine, John O'Quinn did a great summary of, uh, and it's probably four or 5,000 words with dozens of links, is from uh, COVID to cancer, HCQ is the wonder drug of our time. It's a really great article, and all of the sources on there are really great. He had a lot of doctors that sent him information saying, don't use my name, but this is where you can find some more information. So it's stuff that's been sourced worldwide, which is the beauty of the Internet and actually the beauty of um, Principles Scientific. When I first wrote my first article at Canada Free Press, uh, uh, One Pleasant Day in Runnymede, I was really excited because up until then I'd been posted at InfoWars, but not regularly, and um, Climate Depot and Climate Realist and, you know, just uh, minor little smatterings on the web. And then I had my article published at uh, Canada Free Press, and I went over to a friend's house. I said, look at this. They published my article. And he says, well, let's see what kind of market penetration you got. And I go, what's that? And he goes, well, if you put your title in quotations, a unique title will only show your postings. And so we put it in quotes, pulled it up. I was had 300 cross-links, and then I had a language translation bar at the side of the Canada Free Press. People were taking my article and putting it in Thai, Korean, uh, Japanese, French, and Belgium all within the first three hours of being published. My most popular article at Canada Free Press was called Fossil Fuel is Nuclear Waste. It had 11,000 crosslinks, and looking at 10 crosslinks per page, I went through the first 100 pages, which was the first 1,000 crosslinks. I was in 25 foreign languages. I don't speak Romanian, Hebrew, Russian. You know, it's, that's the power that the Internet used to have. Now the people that are in charge are trying to make sure that nobody ever has that power again. You're not going to have the power to be able to uh, ex- explain things in dozens of languages instantly worldwide because that's a real threat to their power base. Well, the 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 set, I, I kicked off the show tonight talking about um, you know we'll, we'll talk about this while we still can and and I said this is not hyperbole the censorship. That is going on right now where we have we have big tech. We have Facebook and Twitter telling us what and we what we can read and what we can't read, what we can say, what we can't say. No doubt this YouTube. uh, This is being uh, streamed on my YouTube channel as well. Live as the radio show goes out. No doubt the YouTube channel will be demonetized uh, because we mentioned Uh, COVID-19. And who are these people? These gatekeepers, what is their background? Why, you know, what is their scientific expertise? Why do they get to tell us what we can hear and what we can't hear? That's really interesting because all of them are fronts for DARPA, and DARPA stole the patents for um, the um, Internet from leader technology. They had a problem not being able to get multiple uh, 
desktops to talk to each other at the same time. And so Leader Technology sat down and wrote 200,000 lines of code that solved the problem for uh, scalability in social media. And they applied for a patent, and the patent was stolen by uh, Serco, who is a group uh, that's run out of uh, the Privy Council in England, and they steal patents left and right. That was something that I was thinking we might get a chance to talk about, but they've stolen every patent that's worth a flip. They stole a dozen patents from the Wright brothers. They stole uh, the radio patents from Tesla and gave them to uh, Marconi so he could create uh, a fake RCA. They stole the patents from uh, Antonio Misi and gave them to Alexander Graham Bell so that he could uh, do the fake uh, AT&T monopoly. And all these monopolies were owned by Rockefeller, and Rockefeller was just a front for the Rothschilds. But it all goes back to that same little group of folks. Okay. But, uh, I want to get back to the uh, – the. Uh, oh, let me go to the phones, actually, first of yeah, all, because yeah, uh, we've got uh, Skip, Skip from Connecticut. Yeah, Skip, welcome. Uh, Joseph. I just want to say that it seems like there's other agendas other than the usual big farmer. Uh, are there groups that just want to extinguish people? And on the 5G, 5G rather, I've heard about birds just dropping down from the sky. Yeah. What would the indi- what would that indicate? Around well, if, if you're flying between cell towers and you've got 42,000 Starlink. Uh, satellites beaming 5G down. You, you can be triangulated, and next thing you know, you're flying along, and your hemoglobin has no ability to pick up oxygen, and you fall out of the sky. Exactly what we were talking about. You overexcite the uh, oxygen molecules, and then your hemoglobin, and it doesn't matter whether you're a bird or a, a you know a snake or a frog, you're, you're going to drop dead when you get that fatal dose of 5G. It's a death ray. It's an absolute absurd abuse of science for them to be doing this. Like I said, you could do DSL 5G all you wanted to, be perfectly safe. If you if you absolutely have to stream your Netflix two-hour video in five minutes, then go for it. But we don't need to be broadcasting that through the air uh, with what is obviously uh, issues. All right, Skip, thank you for that. Uh, on the YouTube yeah, chat, Nicholas writes, what radio frequencies are damaging and why? Is there anything that can be done to prevent exposure to these harmful frequencies? Well, we get natural radio frequencies from the uh, cosmos, and we also get them from our sun. You know, So you, the natural amount, and then you get a lot of radiological decay that gives you radiation too. So you know, the problem is that we we live in a very hostile world that's completely indifferent to human life, and we've adapted to that. But we uh, we've abused nature to the point where uh, it's we've got dangerous technologies that are not being uh, that we're not being protected. You know. So, so what, what can be done, he writes, to prevent exposure to these? Let's talk about EMF. Let's talk about the 60 mega, megahertz range. What can be done? How can we, sh- can we shield ourselves from it? Uh, you can use a Faraday cage 
which is, you know, just like, like you have in your microwave oven. You've got that screen on your microwave oven where you can look through the, the screen door and see what's cooking inside. And theoretically, it's keeping the radiation inside that, that cell. When you're driving along in your car and you get struck by lightning, unless you're in a convertible and, and the cloth top doesn't do anything to, to slow down the lightning bolt, but in a normal automobile or if you're in a jet airplane and you're flying along and you get hit by lightning, you can see the lightning going up and down the wings of the plane uh, and then it dissipates. You can see the lightning burn paint off the top of your car but you're not shocked inside the car because you're in a Faraday cage. So anytime you have a, a, a metallic surrounding, you can prevent uh, radiant transmissions coming through the same way as you can prevent uh, electrical transmissions coming through. So that's the, the concept of a Faraday cage, and it can block radio signals, but you can't live your whole life in a metal cage. You know, that's a problem. Right. Okay, we're going to take another time out. We'll come back, take some more calls, go to the YouTube chat for more questions. Joseph Olson stays with us from Principia Scientific. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky... Ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. We're continuing to discuss the emerging science of magnetobiology, which examines... The or considers the effects of the biological effects of electromagnetic fields on living organisms. And um, you mentioned lightning earlier, Joseph, which is kind of interesting because the article points out, you know, for people that are wondering about the, the, the possible effects of electromagnetic fields, um, ask someone who has asthma how they feel during a lightning storm. It, it's in, in many cases, and I've been told by people who have asthma, during a lightning storm, their asthma is particularly bad. So there seems to be a connection there. Well, interesting that you should mention that. Uh, where does ozone come from? It's uh, O3. It, it comes from ionized oxygen molecules. Uh, principally, uh, it can come from solar radiation at the top of the atmosphere, but it also comes from lightning and there's over 100 lightning strikes per second worldwide. So it's being constantly generated. Uh, ozone is in a tremendously good um, disinfectant. It's used in hospitals to sterilize things. Uh, it's been used as water uh, treatment in lieu of chlorine by Paris uh, since 1900 and used worldwide by over 200, I mean over 2,000 uh, major cities. So there's an alternative to chlorine, which is, is a known carcinogen, and uh, there's also uh, a, a good antibacterial and antiviral with ozone, and, and also UV light is a good treatment for, for uh, killing viruses and, uh, and microbes. So, Okay, Solar Warden, again going back to... 
going back to the YouTube uh, chat room, Solar Warden asks, just as 5G may harm, can other correct frequencies have healing properties? Uh, I, I would say in general, no, except for the ones that uh, uh, Raymond Rife isolated as being uh, pathogen frequencies, where he had a whole list, he had like several hundred uh, pathogens that he could de- destroy at discrete radio frequencies. So now we've had something that uh, came up repeatedly in this is what can we do to stop this? And uh, in my article, You Have the Right to Try Voodoo, I say that if you have a safe, low-cost, effective, preventative and cure, then there should be no death, no fascist lockdown, no medieval social distancing, no face-gagging masks, no gasoline contact tracing, no mandatory voodoo vaccination, and no new normal. All Americans must sign this petition. Petition for over-the-counter use of HCQ for prevention and cure of coronavirus at petitionswhitehouse.gov. And if everybody would go there and sign that petition, we might be able to get this overturned. Interestingly enough, HCQ is available as an over-counter medicine in Mexico, Central and South America, all of Africa, and all of the Far East. It's not available in uh, Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada, and Western Europe. So we're the ones that are suffering the brunt of not having HCQ as a, as a cheap preventative and cure, and we're the ones that are driving this cycle of destruction uh, through the uh, medical mafia. It's absolutely absurd. And uh, just to be clear now, when we're talking about the effectiveness, and it's it's anecdotal, but anecdotal is, I mean, people are often so dismissive, oh, that's anecdotal. No, anecdotal can be scientific as well, right? Well, yeah. Why do you need to have a blind, t- uh, blind t- test if you've got 100% cure rate? You know, that's completely absurd. You're giving somebody, you're giving a, a placebo group a, a defective uh, treatment protocol when you have something that's got a 99.9% cure rate and a 100% prevention rate. Now, this goes back to the, the subject of this article, the Right to Try Act. Uh, we had mentioned that uh, Laetrile uh, was used as a cancer treatment for um, 30 years in the United States until it was found out that it was actually dangerous and, and it wasn't curing anything. So there are other possible cures, and People wanted to think that there were and that they could do something. So in Colorado, they introduced the Right to Try Act in 2014. Well, they introduced it in Texas, and the medical mafia squashed it in 2015. They reintroduced it in 2017. They squashed it. Then in 2018, the U.S. Congress said, oh, we need to do the compassionate thing and allow people to use alternatives under these five conditions. Number one, the patient must be terminally ill and not responding to any treatment. Number two, the alternative treatment must be provided by an FDA-approved manufacturer. Number three, any treatment can only be applied by an FDA-approved physician. Number four, there can be no state criminal prosecution of the manufacturer or the physician. And number five, there must be indemnity from liability for the manufacturer and the physician. So basically, you have the right to try voodoo. You have the right to volunteer to be a human subject where they have complete control over the dosage and, and the uh, whatever they're giving you. 
and and they have complete indemnity. So if they have something that they know works, they can find out what the overdose load is for it, and they can make sure that it never comes on the market. They can go, well, this looks like it cures 100% of the time, so we won't let anybody use that. Oh, but if we give them twice as much as, as it takes to cure them, we can kill them? Oh, well, then we can say, look, we've tried it, and, and, and it proves that it's dangerous. Just like the study that he did with HCQ at the Veterans Administration. It's horrible. Absolutely And they weren't, they weren't following the protocol uh, that Zelensky with the, with the uh, offered up with the, zinc and azithromycin. That's correct. All of those studies, they were not following the protocol, uh, and they had to yeah. re, they had to re, they had to quietly retract the uh, the so called peer reviewed study from Lancet because the science was all wrong. Uh, and we again we have the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, not a bunch of tinfoil ha- uh, hat wearing nutters, saying no, over it 6, works. Over six thousand members. Exactly. All right. Uh, we'll take one final time out. Come back with uh, Joseph Olson. Don't go away. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. And once again, the article from Principia Scientific uh, that was written by John O'Sullivan can be found. You can either go to principia-scientific.org and search for that article. But I posted the link directly to the article at strangeplanet.ca. And I just want to again again crib from the article one more time here before I go back to Joseph. Uh, At the top of this article, we mentioned mitochondria. And we need also to be mindful of the impact of electromagnetism on the mitochondria in our bodies. Artificial EMF causes structural damage to mitochondria. They cause swelling cavitation, and eventually the mitochondria begin to degenerate. This happens in as little as a few hours. Man-made EMF causes oxidation of the mitochondrial membrane and generates free radicals, which in turn causes oxidative stress on the body. Oxygen depletion then can trigger hypoxia and which can thus be conflated as a symptom a symptom of the coronavirus. More mitochondrial DNA mutations lead to more defective mitochondria and more defective mitochondria means more defective cells. We thus should not be flippant in dismissing those who make the connection between COVID-19 and 5G. There is far more to this story and we have so far only scratched the surface. All right. Um, let me go back to the uh, the YouTube live chat, and I think we have another question here. This is from you betcha. Uh, he says, Richard, ask Joseph about all these devices shoved in our pockets, uh, Bluetooth headphones uh, on our heads, etc. And then he then he uh, says, somewhat sarcastically, I suppose, am I better off living as a hermit in the middle of the woods? <laughs> so, uh, well, well, the the proliferation of, of Bluetooth uh, is just uh, incredible. Um, um, what say you to uh, to that? Well, first of all, uh, electromagnetic radiation is a function of the square of the distance. So, the further you are from the antenna, the less 
the, the significantly less uh, signal you're going to receive. So if you double the distance, you've got one-fourth the amount of uh, radiation, which is why they recommend using earphones and then setting your phone as far away from you as possible. Anytime you're carrying it in your pocket, you're just, just streaming yourself, and particularly if it's if it's pocket, you're, you're streaming your gonads. And so we're basically sterilizing our children in these schools full of Wi-Fi, and uh, we're, we're sterilizing ourselves. And, you know, that's, that's provable because you have a, a large uh, decrease in fertility rates worldwide that's based on this same type of abuse of this technology. And then you also have head, uh, head uh, cancers, brain cancers that result from having a cell phone directly by your head. And the Wi-Fi is an even higher frequency than the cell phones operate at, which is absurd to take something that's already bad and carry it in your pocket and then put something even worse in your ears. So it's going directly into, into your cranium. It's absurd. Well, you know, it's interesting, little, and I think... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Joseph. I, I want to do a real quick disclaimer. I'm not a virologist. What I am is a very serious uh, collegiate-level student of science and history for almost 50 years. And uh, I never intentionally tell a lie. I never intentionally try to distort anything for an agenda other than the traditional scientific method. This is the way scientific method works. This is the way I view all of the evidence that I have before me, and a large amount of evidence is not available for any of us, and that's the problem. We need to have an open society, and boy, if we did, imagine the Eden on Earth we could create if we used all of our human energy to make life better for everybody on this planet. Uh, it'd just be uh, unbelievable overnight. So. I guess what's so I agreed. What is so distressing is that we are now experiencing a time when simply asking questions like we're doing tonight, uh, and that's all I'm doing. I'm asking questions. Could there be something to this? Maybe, perhaps, maybe not. But yeah, it seems to me that the authorities are so uh, dead set against anyone even asking questions or offering up an opposing narrative, and so they are firing physicians. Uh, who dare speak out, they are um, basically denigrating anyone who who does not sort of fall in line with the official narrative. And this is, talk about the, un, you know, unscientific. Um, well, uh, Dr. Yeah. Judy Makovich had, had dozens of interviews on YouTube. They took all of them down. She put them up again on Bitch. And just uh, two days ago, Facebook said that we are not going to allow any Facebook postings that have links to anything on BitChute. So it's not just her. Any of the uh, alternatives that were forced off of YouTube that went to BitChute can now no longer promote their truth on Facebook. You can't put a direct link. You might be able to get by with just a title and hope somebody could find it. But basically, they're trying to obstruct the free flow of information as much as possible because... They don't want us educated. Ignorance is bliss, or keep us as blissful as possible. It's it's cruel. I mean, this is. I don't know how we can draw a line. Uh, I'm ready for this to end. And you know, if all we can do is sign a petition that says we want to have HCQ over the counter, and that ends the the pandemic that way, then that's fine. Let, you know, let's go for it. So. Well, here's the thing, though. If in fact HCQ is effective and anecdotally it certainly seems to be when followed with the proper protocol 
and we're talking about 33 cents for the, uh, you know, for the anti-malarial uh, versus whatever. Um, here, which which is forty three hundred dollars per per treatment cycle, and it has a worse performance than the placebo. So it they, didn't they beat the gave, placebo. They did the blind taste. They did the blind testing with it, and the placebo turned out better than remdesivir, and that's when their stock crashed. <laughs> mm. You know. So. Um. Yeah. I, just, I just final point: I, a, a watershed of human consciousness that enough doctors are going to wake up and push back because they're the front line. They're they're the ones that we need in this fight more than anyone as a medical professional. And if they fight back and say we're not going to let you do this to our patients and our profession, then then this could be turned around pretty quickly. Well, a few of them have tried, and they get fired for speaking out. And I have a, um, well, an acquaintance. It can only go on for so long, you know. Right. I have a, an acquaintance, and I hear this stuff all the time. But I have an acquaintance. He's going down to uh, to Philadelphia for some surgery, uh, and um, he asked them about you know um, whether they've had any COVID nineteen cases. And they said at their clinic, and they rhymed off the statistics of how many patients they've had. And they said they have not had one incident. And and uh, they told them that the, the the physicians at this clinic they're all taking hydro- hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. And uh, we're right. told, you know, that there are thousands and thousands of nurses and doctors throughout the United States uh, taking it as a prophylactic, uh, and yet it's being denied to uh, the rest of us. Yeah. Well, one of the consequences of this, the Texas AMA puts out a, a daily newsletter, and one of the uh, newsletter um, titles was "Private Practice Clinics Suffer Suffer 50% Reduction in Patients and Revenues." So here you have a group, a uh, Texas uh, Medical Association, that's supposed to represent doctors that's going on and on about not using HCQ, and then they're saying private clinics suffer 50% reduction in patients and revenue. Well, this is what my response to that was. If you like your doctor, you can keep your artificial intelligence, virtual reality version of your doctor. And sure enough, now they're saying, well, maybe we you know, aren't going to be able to provide the a number of doctors that we need, and you're going to end up having to have a robot doctor. Get used to it. Robot doctors will always give you the answer that we want you to get. That's how absurd this is. They are, is. are constantly destroying the medical profession so they can replace them with robots that will be AI-directed to never give you the diagnosis that the uh, AMA and the CDC and the FDA want to give you. This- Joseph, very quickly, give us the uh, the the um, uh, the website again if people want to sign the uh, petition. Oh, yes. That's um, petitionswhitehouse.gov. And it's to make uh, over-the-counter use of HCQ. Read it exactly. See if I can find it again <laughs> real quick. Well, we're out of time, but people will have to, to log on there and, and yeah. find it. Petition petition for over-the-counter use of HCQ for prevention and cure of coronavirus. If you go to petitions.whitehouse.gov, you will find uh, a list of petitions that you can find. And this is just one of them. And uh, they will send you an email to verify your signature, and then you confirm on the email. 
It's a real Joseph? process. Okay. Joseph, great yeah, information tonight. Show. Thank I really you. really enjoyed it. Well, we'll do it again. And again, uh, the, uh, the website is principia-scientific.org. The article is also posted at strangeplanet.ca, and uh, the book is Slaying the Sky Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory. I'll have you back on, and we'll talk about that exclusively. Thank you so much. Oh, bless you. Thanks. All right, back next week with the brand-new program, Ezra Levant on the China virus, and uh, Patty Greer, Crop Circles and Carbon 60, the Miracle Molecule. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light, what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night. <laughs>